like all of us, about what is it the saints of old had that, that we don't? And what was their secret? What is it they had? Because when you think of the Welsh Revival, the Lord's Revival, different revivals, what was it they had? And God's been revealing some things. And it's not rocket science, really. It's not anything we don't know, but somehow we don't know it. Someone once said revivals when what you know there drops down to there. And in a way, that's what's been happening with me. Because I grew up learning all the stories of revival and God moving. But this past few years, it somehow dropped into my heart. Because we use words like the secret place, or Bill says beyond the veil. But do you know there's an actual secret place? <laughs> there's a place that is secret. There's a place available, I believe, that very few Christians actually walk in. But I believe God is calling, he's calling many, he's calling all of us into the secret place beyond the sacred veil. But very few people walk in this. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's a narrow path. Maybe it's because we get busy. Maybe it's because we are quite happy with the good or the acceptable. But very few people want the perfect. It takes yieldedness. It takes dying to self. It takes walking a different path. So today I want to just talk a little bit about walking and living and ruling and reigning from beyond the veil. You see, I know God moved in the past in revival, but I'm convinced God wants to do something now that's greater than revival. It's not just visitation anymore. God wants habitation. God's always had people who lived beyond the sacred veil. And one of those people was Reese Howells. I don't know if you know who Reese Howells is. Who, who knows who Reese Howells is? Most people. If it wasn't for this man and the people at this Bible college in Wales, we might not be sitting here tonight. We might not have grew up in Scotland and United Kingdom or anywhere on the planet is three people. We might have been under the Nazis. Things might have been very different. But there was one man who learned to live and pray from beyond the veil. You see, most of us pray from the outer courts. We cry out to God from earth to heaven. We cry out to God when all the time he's saying, come up here. Let me just read. This is the story of Reese Howells. And as Bill was saying and stealing my story, before this happened, the Holy Spirit was dealing with Reese Howells, pointing to every area in his life that needed to change, every area that needed to die. And eventually he said, how can self say yes to dying to self? But then the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, are you willing to be made willing? You see, we're not even able to die to self in our own strength. 
but the Holy Spirit will enable us to die to self. And as Reese Hill said, yes, after a struggle, this is what happened. It says, within an hour, the person of the Godhead, the third person of the Godhead has come in. He gave him that word in Hebrews 10:19, having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And immediately, said Rhys, I was transported into another realm within the sacred veil where the Father, the Saviour, and the Holy Ghost live. And there I heard God speaking to me, and I have lived there ever since. Do you know there's a place in God where you can live beyond the veil? There's a place in God where we can live in such depth of consecration such depth of knowledge of him, not knowledge about him, where he can actually change the history of the world through you and me. If God can find two or three, when it says gather together in my name, we were talking about that earlier, in his name does not mean we just meet and say Jesus. When you were given a new name in the Bible, like Jacob, to Israel, it means you were given a new character, like from deceiver to prince. When we gather together in his name, it means we gather together completely dead to self, consecrated, set apart. When God can find two or three people in this nation who can gather together in his character, there am I in the midst. And in these meetings, in these gatherings, in these times, God is looking for two or three or four who will gather together in his character, who are willing to lay down our ideas, our agendas, our outer court prayers, and come beyond the sacred veil to live from the heavens to the earth and begin to govern like Reese Hills. But he does need us to yield completely and give up our programs, our ideas. Because Reese Hills had to give up everything. The Holy Spirit says two people can't stay in the same body. If I come in, you've got to go out. <laughs> I want to talk about going beyond the veil. We've heard about the tabernacle. You had the outer court, the holy place, then the holy of holies. The veil, the curtain, was like 60 feet in height. 30 feet wide and about four inches thick. Only the high priests could go beyond the veil once a year. This was the old covenant. Only once a year could the high priest go beyond the veil? And even then they had to tie like a rope around his ankle in case he died. <laughs> and he had to take the blood, a sacrifice for the whole nation. 
If anyone except the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, he or she would die. But the Ark of the Covenant was beyond the sacred veil. <laughs> the glory, the presence. God himself was beyond the sacred veil. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated by really finding God. This to me is not about revival. It's about finding him. To go beyond the veil was to encounter the majesty of God himself. To go beyond the veil was to enter God's world. And you know, the next thing I'm going to read, the next thing I'm going to read, maybe you've heard us, maybe you haven't. But I would say most of us think when Jesus died, it was about forgiving your sins. And of course it is. But there's something else happened that we very rarely talk about. And it's this. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil was torn. That dividing curtain that hindered mankind from really encountering the holy of holies was torn and suddenly became available a place of intimacy for every person who wills, who wants, who is willing to come beyond the sacred veil into a realm of God that only a priest, a high priest could go. But suddenly, this veil was torn when Jesus died from top to bottom, from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. And suddenly there's a realm of the glory opened, a realm of the heavenlies opened. It's available to you and I that I don't think we as Christians in our day and age have even realized. We have tried to do our evangelistic work. We've tried to do our church ministry or wherever. But very few have actually realized that there's a realm open to us beyond the sacred veil. A new covenant that's greater than the old covenant. A place where we can rule and reign in the heavens. And Reese Hills was one of those people who discovered this realm of God. I'm convinced with all my heart that these meetings, these gatherings about, is about a people who are willing to first of all yield everything and let God build what he wants to build. But that means individually to be willing to go beyond this sacred veil, to get before the Lord in the secret place. Let me just read a few scriptures. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Having then a high priest, a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one that has been in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with boldness unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help us in time of need. 
we just read scriptures like this and we really receive it at a very, I don't know, shallow level. But because that veil is torn, we're invited to go boldly to the throne. Can I ask a question? Where is the throne? It's not on earth. (laughs) It's in the heavenly dimension. It's in the heavenly realms. We're all invited to go boldly before the throne of God. One of the things God's changing in the new wineskin, if you like, is not us just begging God for revival, but it's us boldly going before the throne of God, heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. Rulership, kingship, realizing that we are kings and priests. Hebrews ten nineteen to 25 says, I better take a drink. Now remember, don't just hear these words as Bill said earlier with familiarity, like as if we've just heard them before. Having therefore, brother, boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the way which he dedicated for us, a new and living way through the veil. That is to say his flesh. A new and living way that we can go through Christ through the doorway. Jesus said, I am the door. The door to what? The door to the heavenlies. (laughs) The door to another dimension. The door to the throne room. Through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in fullness of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and having our body washed with pure water. Listen to the amplified version. It says, Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies. God doesn't want just revival. He wants a company of people who learn how to access the holy of holies. Who learn how to live from above. Who learn how to live beyond revival and live in habitation. And I used to think habitation was God dwelling here. And that will happen, but actually habitation is us dwelling there. That we can dwell with God. You know, sometimes we are praying for God to come down and God to move. But you know, there's something in God's heart where he's saying, come here. Like the apostle John, come up here. And I will show you things to come. Do you know, I think part of the church government that God's going to release on the earth 
is a company of people who know how to ascend into the council rooms of heaven. Why is it that of the Old Testament prophets, lots of times were taken up? That New Testament, it's as if we're left to our own devices. Why is it the Old Testament prophecies seem to be such more accurate and profound and deep, and ours is just very shallow in general? I'm telling you, there's a time coming where God's releasing oracles on the earth, but it's those who've learned to live in the dimension of heaven, those who know how to ascend through the, the veil. Christ is the door. This is not crazy teaching. This is something fundamental to our faith. This is something fundamental that Christ died for. This is why the veil was torn. We don't need to beg anymore. We are sons. As Bert would say earlier in, in the back room, it's like true prayer is actually just hearing God first speak. He interceded first, he spoke it, and then we just agree. The Lord wants to move in Scotland more than we want him to move. The Lord has already said he wants to move in Scotland through Ginger Nail and many prophecies. Bill was talking earlier about a prophecy. I don't know when that was, but it's a long time ago, decades. We just need to agree and decree and learn how in our individual lives how to live beyond the veil. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes worshiping, it takes faith. It takes putting the good works aside and saying, Lord, I want to be possessed by you. I want to, be, I want to yield. I want to be filled. I want to walk in fullness. Do you know, the true purpose of the apostolic, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we thought maybe still people do think the full purpose of the apostolic is just to train people for works of ministry. But there's something beyond that. It says, Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, therefore the equipment of the saints, until we walk in the full stature of Christ. There's a fullness that's coming. We have seen the church move in revival, visitation, but I'm telling you, there's a company of people who are willing to yield, who are willing to live beyond the veil, who are willing to let God take their soul and their spirit and their body to enter into that realm of the glory where we are transformed as we behold him. As in the mirror, we are transformed into his image from glory to glory. The blood qualifies us to enter into the Holy of Holies. Having therefore, brother, boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. The way has been made by, the, by Jesus on the cross. By the way which he dedicated for us a new and living way through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The invitation is for us to come boldly to his throne. And we have to pray beyond the veil. You see, this is the secret of the saints. I believe this was the secret of Reese Hills. This was the secret, I believe, of the two old women in the Isle of Lewis. Duncan Campbell says these people knew God. They knew the Spirit. They were in the Spirit. Duncan Campbell says these, these people were, they knew the Lord. 
Ephesians 2, 6 says, And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus the Messiah. He raised us up together. Sometimes, again, we just read this scripture. But let me read to you what happened to Reese Hills. I think, Alec, you mentioned the Keswick Convention. This happened to Reese Hills at the Keswick Convention. It says, In the first morning of the convention, the preacher who was perhaps the greatest expositor on the life and the spirit that Keswick had produced, the Reverend Evan Hopkins, spoke on Ephesians 2.16. You hath he quickened and, and has raised up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He pointed out that it was the risen Lord who had appeared to the disciples after the resurrection. But when the Holy Ghost came down, he revealed the exalted Saviour at the right hand of the Father. Mr. Hopkins then asked the question, Have you been quickened by Christ? Have you been raised up to sit with him in heavenly places? The church knows more about the Saviour who was only on the earth 33 years than about the Holy Ghost who has been here 2,000 years. And in his heart, Reese Howells answered, Yes, I know I have been quickened, but I have not been raised up with Christ to the place of power. And the moment he said that, he, he said that, he saw the glorified Lord. As really as I had seen the crucified Christ and the risen Christ, I saw the glorified Christ. And the same voice I heard in the train said to me, Would you like to sit there with him? There is a place for you. I saw myself raised up with him. I knew now what it meant to be glorified. I saw him as John did on Patmos. And I was dazzled like the Apostle Paul. When he reveals a thing, it is exactly as it is. It is not imagination. At that, all that night, I was in the presence of God and my glorified Saviour. There is nothing in nature refined through the to describe it, I saw men like trees. He was challenged by the scripture that says, you have been raised up. And even as I'm talking, I know that we can just hear the scripture, we are seated in heavenly places. But there's a challenge in the spirit for those who really want to rule. Do you want to sit there? Do you want to sit in the seat that's prepared for you in the heavenly dimension, in the heavenly realms where you are seated with Christ far above all principality and power, far above all darkness, far above all viruses, far above all disease, far above all the stuff that's happening on the earth and many people talk about the end times and the darkness and the evil, but what about sitting in the seat, the seat that's prepared for you in the heavenly dimensions and it all happens by us going beyond the sacred veil and learning to live there and learning to yield and learning to die to self. Not in their own strength, but because of the grace of God that enables us to live there and to die to all that Christ wants us to die to. But there's a choice of the good, the acceptable, or the perfect. We can have good church, good ministry, good training schools, wherever. But there's those 
who want to go into the deeper places. That's why they had the Keswick Convention. It was all about the deeper life. It was all about the deeper life. There's a deeper life. There's something beyond just a shallow experience. I love when the Holy Spirit moves and there's joy, and I'm not against any, any of that whatsoever. But there's a call into something deeper where we can begin to reign. The day demands it. The day demands it. And it wasn't just these hills who lived beyond the veil. When you read the story, this is called The Intercession of These Hills by Doris Rusco. And she was a student in the, the Bible school that these hills had. And she says this, over and over again, we were taken beyond the veil in the meetings. And over and over again, we were lost in the spirit of praise and worship. And she goes on to say, there were to be days of darkness, oppression, and burden in the spirit, but also days when we were caught up into the heavenly places of which the Apostle Paul speaks, days of heaven upon earth. Hebrews 12, 22 to 26 says, now I want you to read this as if you've never read it before. Because this is about going beyond. This is about a governmental realm of heaven that's available to us, the church now. And it doesn't say this is a future thing. It says this is available now. And this is Hebrews 12, 22 to 26. And I believe this is partly what these meetings are all about. A company of people learning how to govern from the heavens. And it says this. But you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God. It says you have come to Mount Zion. It doesn't say you will one day in the future when you die. It says you have come, past tense, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, a heavenly realm, to an innumerable company of angels, the angelic realm, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, the church, the ecclesia, is actually in the heavenly realm. Who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all. That's the heavenly courtroom. To the spirits of just men made perfect as a cloud of witnesses, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling it speaks better things than that of Abel. We have come to this realm called Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the governmental realm of heaven. And in this governmental realm of heaven, there's the, the church. And you know, the church we were talking earlier is not necessarily what we think it is because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the church is supposed to live in the heavenly realms. And the reason the enemy has prevailed against a lot of what we have built is because we are building something that is not the church. 
because Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. The ecclesia was actually the Greek parliament. Jesus was saying, I'm going to build a government. And the gates is where the place of government was in a city. So Jesus was saying, I will build my government, my legislator. And the government of hell cannot prevail against the legislator. He says, I will give you the keys to heaven. What do you use keys for? To open doors. <laughs> he says, wherever's loosed in heaven will be loosed in earth. You see, we need to go from the battlefield to the courtrooms of heaven. We need to go from the earth battles fighting and learn how to rule and reign from that place of being seated beyond the veil. I think Christ is going to see his inheritance. He's going to have a people who are mature sons. He is going to have what he said he would have. He said, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher were there until we walk in the full stature of Christ, until they become the perfect man. Do you know there's something in God's heart, a dream to have a perfect man on earth? Not an individual, a corporate body who walks in the fullness of God. A corporate body who is filled and flooded with God himself. A corporate body who is yielded fully to the Holy Spirit. A corporate body who is utterly in that other realm, seated with Christ, ruling and reigning with him. But it all starts with us realizing that we can live beyond the veil. For me, Reese Howes is like a hero. His time was dark. Like, can you imagine living then? This book I've been reading, like, they weren't just living in a nice Bible school and it was all lovely. They had bombs dropping around about them. But the Lord promised them not, they wouldn't, no harm would come to any of them. And they learned to live in another realm. They learned to live beyond the veil. Just want to say one more thing. This is Madame Guyon, because this is a secret to how. And it's not hard. It's not us been trying really hard. It's simply yielding to his love. <laughs> is yielding to his presence. The saints have all talked about that prayer of, um, what did you call it, Bill? Contemplative prayer, prayer of silence. It's like being still and know that I am God. It's about ascending into him. It's about becoming like Christ. It's about yielding inwardly because actually the kingdom of God is in you. Christ is in you. And the saints of old, like Brother Lawrence, I learned a lot of this from Wee Tommy. Wee Tommy would read all these books and, and tell me about them. Brother Lawrence and St. John of the Cross and St. Julian of Norwich. And Madame Guyon said this. 
And this is the same as going beyond the veil. It's maybe a slightly different language, but it's the same thing. Ascent to God now, we must ask the central question. How does the soul ascend to God? The soul ascends to God by giving up self. Giving it up to the destroying power of divine love. Yes, giving up to the annihilating power of divine love. The giving up of self is essential, absolutely essential, if you are to plumb, experience, and continually dwell in the depths of Jesus Christ. It is only by the destruction and annihilation of self that you can pay homage to the sovereignty of God. You see, the power of the Lord is great, and he is honoured only by the humble. Let us see if we can understand this just a little clearly, a little more clearly. It is by the utter destruction of self that you acknowledge the supreme existence of God. The hour must come when you cease all living in the realm of self or the realm of the natural or the realm of the earth. You must cease to exist in self so that the spirit of the eternal word may exist in you. By the giving up of your own life, you must make way for his coming. And it is in your dying that he lives. Can this be made practical? Yes. You must surrender your whole being to Jesus Christ. Ceasing to live any longer in yourself so that he may become your life. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Pass into me, all you who earnestly seek after me. But how do you pass into God? By forsaking yourself that you may be lost in him. You can be lost in him only by the annihilation of the self. And what is that to do with prayer? The annihilation of self is the true prayer of worship. It is a prayer you must learn. Learn in all the totality of its deepest possible meaning. This is the experience that renders to God and to God alone all blessing, honour, glory and power forever and ever. This experience, this prayer is the prayer of reality. This is reality. Annihilation is worshipping God in spirit and reality. All true worship is in spirit. To be in spirit, the soul is annihilated in spirit. You enter into the purity of that spirit that prays within you. You are drawn away from your soulish and human methods of prayer. You are in reality because you are placed in the reality of all of God and nothing of man. How do we enter into this place of government? By learning to go into that place of the Spirit where you yield, where Christ rules over you, where your soul truly makes him Lord, where you are dead to yourself, but then you are pulled into that place of love. You're pulled into that magnetic presence of Christ where he begins to change you and you begin to fall in love with him more and more. You begin to yield to him, not because of a law, but because of love. And then in that place, you begin to love him. You become one with him. You enter into a place of union. Then out of that place of union, you pray. Not prayer out of rules and lists and begging but out of that place of union, you suddenly feel God's heart. You feel 
what grieves God, you feel what grieves him, you feel what he wants to do in Scotland and the earth, and you suddenly agree with him, as Bert said, you suddenly become one with him, and you become a channel where he can actually bring his will into the earth. And then he tells you, go do something, go and decree something, go and decree something in that city, go and speak something in that nation, and it's not your will, it's not your idea, it's the ecclesia. Amen.